Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 4, titled The Bullet That Saved the World. Oh my god. Oh my Freaking God, this episode, it is incredible. Like, this episode is absolutely magnificent. It is one of the highlights of the season. It is so, so freaking amazing. See, here's the thing with season five. Up until this point, my first time watch through was something along the lines of, okay, I'm really liking this, I'm really enjoying uh, this change-up, I'm really enjoying this interesting dystopian future, but, I don't know, like, I just kind of have the twang of missing the old fringe, I kind of want old fringe, where's old fringe, blah 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 blah. And then, it was this episode that all desires to see old friend just kind of went away immediately. Like all, all, all pining for the old friend kind of evaporated when I saw this episode because it was just like, oh, oh, cr- this is what we've been building to. This is what we've been building to, and this is what's been, uh, th- like this is what they're doing with this season. This is where they're going. This is the types of emotional heights. Uh, that they're getting to, and uh, immediately I was just like, okay, you, you've got me. You've got me entirely. There's like, at this point, whatever whispers of wanting the old friends back uh, that were left on my first time watching, uh, those all went away completely. And I, I freaking love this episode so much. It's so, so fantastic. So this episode opens. There's so much going on here. This episode opens... With Peter sort of in some slums, just getting some supplies, and he goes to this one shop to get a necklace for Etta, because they had to melt down the other one for uh, the laser. And he goes in there, and while he's buying this, has an encounter with an observer, who tries to read him. And Peter tries to... Uh, occupy his head with random thoughts, random thoughts, random thoughts, random thoughts, random thoughts. And the Observer realizes he's doing that and is like, why are you trying to hide my thoughts from... Why are you trying to hide your thoughts from me? And, like, Peter's just, like, trying to mad dash out of there. Observer calls him out and is like, hey, loyalist people, stop him. And then Peter just has to, like, run away, just has to get away from these loyalists. And, long story short, he ends up in a sewer... Uh, getting light bombed, and he ends up like basically hobbling back into the lab, uh, just a lot worse for wear. Like that's how the episode starts. That's the beginning. That's scene one, <laughs> and it does not let up from there. Uh, of course we have another tape unearthed. That's the that's the thing now. Like every episode, new tape. We pop that in, and eh, 
it's garbled beyond recognition, to say the least. It's just completely trash. Uh, I believe what they said was the tape got cut because of the laser. Uh, so they can't really clean it up anymore. But they heard enough uh, for uh, to see that there were plans stuffed in a tube. And Walter had said in the video... That he had hid them like he would hid his, like he would hide his most prized possession, and started telling a story about how uh, his mother would take uh, him on Manhattan mystery tours. And this is enough for Walter to go like, "Okay, I know it's in this subway in Manhattan because this is where I hid my comics when uh, I was we were in the height of the Cold War and we were scared that uh, communists would attack." Like. This is where they are. This is where they are. This is where they are. And so, we have to get a plan to get these back. Because, unfortunately, uh, there's a crap ton of observers and loyalist security in Manhattan. And there's a checkpoint right outside uh, this subway terminal and all that. And so, they're sort of concocting this scheme, concocting this scheme, and it's at this point that Walter has the brilliant idea to cause a diversion by creating fringe events. Uh, We go into the cold storage of the Harvard lab where Walter's been keeping mementos of every fringe case. And so he has, like, a bunch of this old fringe stuff, and we're just going to use the remnants of that to create something and have that be a distraction. And and I love that. This is the moment where fringe kind of fully completed this 180 that they've been doing this season. Like, up until this point, we've been solving cases. We've been on the... On the side of the government, catching the bad guys, catching the bad guys, catching the people in the dark rooms doing the weird stuff. And now, our characters are in the dark corners. They're doing the weird stuff. They're in the shadows. Like, that dynamic has completely flipped because the observers have taken over everything. And there are some great moments that come from that. There are some cool things that they do around that. And I cannot wait to dive into that more. But while all this is happening, and while they're prepping, uh, they, uh, Peter's actions at the store has, you know, kind of resonated with Captain Winmark, and he's trying to figure out, why would Peter buy this necklace? Who did he buy it for? Uh, what, what is its purpose? Like, he's very perplexed by this, because no human emotions, blah, 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 blah. And... He is having Broyles investigate all of this stuff. Sending Broyles on investigations into the Resistance. By the way, yes, Broyles is back this episode. This is one of the several episodes in which Broyles appears. And there is this amazing moment where an observer interrogates someone in Broyles' division who... Failed a security test. Who failed a security test and has now been flagged as possibly being a part of the resistance. So, 
they're investigating, uh, they're reading him, they're reading him, they're reading him. Uh, this interrogation sequence is phenomenal. Every scene where the observers are like reading someone and they're trying to resist being read and like blood starts coming out of their nose, it's just like, oh, always, always, always. Those scenes are fantastic. Those scenes are always amazing. But we get that moment, it's amazing. Uh, the name The Dove comes up as someone who fudged his paperwork to get him into Fringe Division. We don't know who The Dove is. No one knows who The Dove is. Uh, his identity is complete secret, even from this guy. And also, apparently this dude overheard Anil talking about... Uh, resistance fugitives in the Harvard lab. Apparently, this dude knew about uh, Olivia and Peter and Walter and Etta and Astrid, like, in the Fringe Lab. And so, that lab is compromised now. And that lab gets raided. And we sort of get this, like, frenzied moment where uh, Etta gets tipped off that observers and loyalists are coming to check on the lab. And there's this, like, moment where they're like, okay, uh, well... We can't let them know we were even here. Not only can they not find us, but they can't know we were even here because if they knew we were here, if they knew we were ever here, this lab would be completely blocked off and we'd never be able to get back here. Uh, and we need the tapes. Without the tapes, we have nothing. Uh, so we get this frenzied moment where what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And basically we reamber the lab. So there's no evidence that they cut through it with a laser or anything. Uh, they remove all traces of themselves, and while Astrid stays behind to re-laser stuff after this raid is over, after this moment of pure tension is done, then everyone else goes to Manhattan to do their job. Everyone else goes to Manhattan and uh, does this essentially a heist from this moment the episode essentially becomes a heist movie and it's a really good heist uh the moment of walter at the checkpoint uh just sort of baiting this loyalist baiting this observer walter gets like super tased at one point and like just never loses his positive expression at no point does he say does he give any expression of pain he just like is kind of stunned for a moment as, like, the electrocution happens. And then, like, without the smile leaving his face, he's like, you electrocuted me. And, like, you can see the smoke coming off of him, and it's just like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Good God! Like, they just electrocuted the shit out of Walter, and he barely felt it. It's insane. And then, after a while, uh, Walter breaks out of gas masks, and, and sprays the Observer and the Loyalist with the little thing that closes orifices. Like, that little uh, spray that closes all the orifices in your body. Remember, um, my best guess is it didn't happen this way in the alternate timeline, but in the original timeline, it was David Robert Jones using it. Uh, and it just, like, closed up your eyes, closed up, like, every whole, uh, including nose and mouth so you couldn't breathe. 
Uh, and, like, I just love, they're now using that on people. They are now using that on observers and on loyalists. It's great. It's an amazing reversal, and I love it. Uh, but they get past the checkpoint. Walter and Peter go into the subway terminal. They search around. They find what they're looking for in this vent, this little tube. They get it out, and then uh, observer and loyalist reinforcements come. Olivia and Etta start, like, launching, like, flat-out launching grenades of this orifice-closing stuff. Like, observers and loyalists are having their orifices closed left and right, and it's so awesome. Like, this whole sequence, this whole sequence is fantastic, and it's amazing, and I love it so much. It is so great. By the way, I love earlier, when they were in the cold storage room, testing out the launcher... While Astrid was presumably working on the chemical, like, that's the only other thing she could have been working on at that time. Saying, like, oh, this is a this is a weapon of mass destruction. Stop firing shit in here while I'm working on this. And, like, you can tell... Freaking Peter. Oh, my God. Peter is laughing his ass off right along with Walter as Walter's just launching stuff across the room and it's just laughing like a teenage boy and then the second Astrid the disapproving mom uh just starts scolding them like Peter just has this look on his face like I don't know Walter did it not me I had no part (laughs) it's just like Peter became a teenager in that moment Peter became a rebellious rambunctious teenager in that moment trying to lie to his mom about his very obvious involvement in launching stuff across the room while mother was working on a deadly chemical that closes people's orifices. Uh, the metaphor kind of falls apart <laughs> at a certain point, but you get what I mean. Oh, God, I love that moment. But anyway, they got this heist, they stole the plans, and Walter has no idea what the hell they are. Uh, they are extremely complex physics. Uh, that he cannot make heads or, heads or tails of. It is in Walter's handwriting, but it could have easily been dictated to him by September or someone else. And we have no idea what we're looking at here. We have no idea what's going on. Now, ordinarily, this would be the end of the episode. But, nope. <laughs> but, nope. This episode... You're not getting off that easy (laughs) with this particular hour of television. So, now, when they're just about to pack up and go, Etta is just like, wait, no, we can't go yet. Someone wants to talk to you. And then, car rolls up, and it's Broyles! Broyles is still on the good side. Uh, He is a member of the Resistance uh, he is the guy, it is very heavily implied that he is the dove, that he is the guy at the top of uh, fudging things and making things bad for the observers. Uh, apparently, Etta is who initially recruited him. Uh, Etta found him years ago, or rather he found Etta, and she taught him how to block his thoughts from the observers. Tried, uh, he told him how to, uh, she told him how to keep from being read, uh, she trained him to do that, and 
he's just been sort of... Just sort of making things a little bit harder, muddying the waters a little bit from behind the scenes and acting as a double agent. And we get this lovely reunion between Broyles and the rest of the Fringe team. Uh, I love the moment where Olivia sees her and just, uh, Olivia sees him rather, and just walks up to him. And Broyles does the formal, like, Agent Dunham. Greeting, and Olivia, basically, without saying it, just says, Hey, shut the hell up. I'm not working for you anymore. We go on normal names here. <laughs> and it and just calls him Philip, and they, they have this, like, nice little hug, and it's beautiful. And, like, you know, he goes over, shakes Walter's hand, shakes Peter's hand, and it's just like, it, it, this is a wonderful moment. This is a wonderful, wonderful moment, and it's just so delightful like it's just for someone who like watched the first four seasons and knows how big of a deal Broyles is like this is just such like a giddy pure sweet moment and then they find the tracer on the car and observers and loyalists start showing up which by the way every observer that shows up they have to kill immediately because if an observer sees Broyles with the fringe team and gets away, Broyles is done. Broyles is caught. He, there is no, there is no protection for him. Like he is screwed. Uh, so in their frenzy, oh by the way, Broyles gives them a crap ton of weapons. Uh, and in the frenzy, like Etta hands the tube with the plans to Broyles and is like, protect this at all costs. And then they run the hell away. And then they get the hell out of there. And then there's this big chase sequence as Winmark is attacking and closing in on them. Uh, this big shootout in this warehouse. Uh, everyone gets separated. Etta ends up alone. And then Winmark shows up and brutally, brutally attacks her. Like, he smashes her through a window, uh, like, just picks her up and pins her against the wall as she's, like, crawling over glass, like, choking her, like, as he has her pinned. And while his hand is on her throat, like, he examines the new necklace with the bullet that saved the world on it. By the way, there was a lovely moment uh, with... Olivia and Etta, where Olivia was, like, just recognized the fact that this was the bullet that saved the world. This was the bullet that uh, killed her and stopped the uh, world collapsing into one another. And, like, they share this lovely moment of, like, oh, you you found that, and how long have you had this? And it's, like, lovely, lovely moment. Uh, but now Winmark's looking at this, and is like, he bought the necklace for you. Why would he give you this? And is like reading Etta. And Etta, by the way, lets Captain Winmark have just enough information from her to give like this F you of just like you cannot possibly understand humanity and human emotions and all that. Uh, but Winmark reads her and is like, he did this for love. 
And, like, it's just, like, this cold, heartless asshole uh, trying to reconcile with human emotions and just not computing, essentially. Like, this is a full-blown does-not-compute, does-not-compute, does-not-compute thing. And in this moment, Etta tries to launch this one final assault on Winmark with this, like, one piece of glass. It fails. Winmark wrestles it away from her hand. And then Winmark just shoots Etta, like, right in the chest. And just leaves her on the ground to bleed out. Uh, And Olivia and Peter and Walter, they hear the shot and are like, oh, God, Etta. And they come running, like, just long enough to watch Etta die. Like, and it's this, it's a heartbreaking moment, especially when you realize, like, these people literally just got their daughter back. They were searching far and wide, separated from their daughter for months, then spent 21 years in Amber, had this miracle occur where they finally got to see their adult daughter again. They just got into a nice groove. They just got used to being a family again. And now these, this this horrible scum of a not even human just takes that away. And we now have to watch Olivia and Peter watch their daughter die. It is brutal. It is heartbreaking. It is like just, it hurts. It really, really hurts to watch. Uh, it's, it's one of the most powerful emotional moments in all of Fringe, and that is saying a lot. And you can see sort of the big difference in Olivia and Peter, where Olivia takes the bullet from Etta, who gives it back to her, and realizes what's happening. It's like, hey, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. And Peter is just sitting there like, no, I, I can't lose her again. Like, there has to be, like, we gotta save her. We gotta move her. Etta, by the way, activates this freaking anti-matter baton that's gonna go off in a minute unless they get the hell out of there. Uh, And, like, Walter, you can tell, Walter is sort of looking on this going... Like, hey, I've, I've, I've been this, I've been through this before. Like, and, and you can tell there's this subtext where Walter's like, hey, Peter, we gotta go. We gotta go. We can't do anything. We gotta go. You can tell this, there's this subtext to Walter saying this to Peter being like, hey, I've been through this before. I have made, I have thought about making all the mistakes you're about to make. I, I have been in these shoes. Like, it, it, it we ca- we cannot risk anything. Nothing we do will possibly have a good effect. Uh, take it from experience. Like, uh, take it from me. I have this experience. I know what happens uh, when you try to do the impossible to save your kid. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. We gotta go. Uh, and eventually they leave. And Winmark comes back realizing, oh, crap, love. They'll come back for her. And Winmark shows up back at Etta's dead body just long enough to see the antimatter baton and just jump away. And he's just looking on the destruction as, like, the loyalists and observers he left behind are just, like, rendered to nothing by this antimatter blast. And 
Olivia, Peter, and Walter are just looking on, and Olivia and Walter are like, hey, we gotta, we gotta go, we gotta get out, we gotta keep moving, and Peter's just looking on, and you could tell, credit to Joshua Jackson as an actor, because holy crap, like, all the subtlety and nuance in this, in the way he stares off into the distance is so great, but, like, you could tell on Peter's face, like, this man is angry. This man has, like, we are watching a man become unhinged in real time. Like, as Peter's just looking on the wreckage of this warehouse, just in complete white-hot rage, the observers have taken his daughter from him twice. And he is mad as hell. And, of course, there's Walter, like, Walter knows enough about uh, what a grieving parent can do if he has the means and he knows enough to know that nothing good is happening here, and you can tell that the gears are turning in Walter as, like, he is very much aware of, like, damn it, I'm seeing too much of what I was. I am seeing way too much of what I was in Peter right now. Like, you can tell that he's thinking that. You can tell, like, his mind's going to those places. of like, "Mm." when I felt exactly what Peter's, feeling i just i nearly destroyed two universes so mm, (laughs) like something bad's happening here and i don't like uh where this could go Uh, like so he's like you can tell he's trying to like talk peter off the ledge like hey we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go and like this is the end of the episode this is the end of the episode right here is just peter looking at this wreckage white hot rage building in him and Walter kind of subtly acknowledging Peter is now Peter is now the most dangerous person here (laughs) Peter uh, is this is not gonna end well (laughs) like I know myself, and I know what I would do in this situation, and Peter is my son, so that, uh, yeah. God, this, this episode, it's, it's magnificent, it's absolutely magnificent, I love it so much, uh, obviously we have, like, what, nine more episodes? Nine more episodes, yeah. Uh, that's a lot of time with the uh, with fighting the observers. That's a lot of time with the aftermath of Etta's death. There's so much season left, and uh oh boy, oh boy, this uh, this is something. This is something. Let's just say that. Anyway, uh, yeah, amazing episode all around. Uh, if you like this. Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 5. Talk to you then.